Thank you for your prayers and your encouraging words. Sort of have texted, talked to me, assured me of your prayers and your, your support in the Holy Ghost, and I thank God for that. Amen. I appreciate you for supporting me and my family during this time, which I believe strongly is an attack of Satan. Amen. And as I talked to you last week, I said that the enemy has focused very specifically his hand against us in health. Amen. And uh, last night, my dad in Peru, when he went to Peru, was admitted to the hospital. Um, I'm not quite sure. Could be just a minor inflammation. Could be, who knows, something that could be very serious. It's in God's hands. They're running tests from him and imaging and whatever else. But again, I believe that the enemy has come against us specifically. And when I say me and my family, I thank you for your prayers. But it's not just me. Yes. Amen. Amen. There are many in this house right now, online, around this world, who are struggling, who are suffering, who are needing a touch from God. Amen. Amen. And friend, as powerful as God is and as wonderfully as he moves through the power of his spirit, more often than not, the touch of God in our lives comes through those around us. Amen. Amen. And I felt impressed to tell you to Matthew 25 today. Verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry. And you fed me. Mm -hmm. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked. And you gave me clothing. I was sick. And you cared for me. I was in prison. And you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Can you say amen? amen. God blesses your seed. He goes on in this parable and he gives us the flip side of the coin. Remember, every coin has two sides. 
Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or strange or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. They will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into I want to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. Yes. Do you want to be with Jesus? Yes. Amen. Those, well, that's what's called a rhetorical question. But rhetorical questions are powerful. I know the answer, but I need you to answer it anyways. Amen. Do you want to be with Jesus in heaven? Hallelujah. I want to hear him say, well done, good, faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. God forbid that any of us should be on that figurative left-hand side uh, that's where he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. And there are many parables and many insights that he gives us as to how it will be on that day of judgment. But of all of the different parables or similes, two things are constant. One, there are two camps. There's one side and there's the other. Never does he mention somewhere in the middle, somewhere in between. Right? You can't almost make it to heaven. Either you make it or you don't. You're not almost saved. Either you are or you aren't. You can't almost love God. You can't almost serve God. Either you do or you don't. Amen. The other thing that's constant in his description of the day of judgment is that what God judges against, in spite of all we have learned, in spite of all that's given to us in the word of God, we're still going to be shocked <coughs> at what he considers important. Not because it's hidden to us. He's told us. It's because we don't listen. It's because we don't understand. It's because we don't put his heart into our heart, his mind into our mind. Somehow, we still get our priorities all skewed. Yes. You must understand that when the scripture speaks of righteousness, when we talk about the commandments, when we talk about uh, the requirements of God for us, Many times they are literal, and other times they are teaching us principles, and the principles far exceed the literal text of the Word. There are times when God teaches us principles of things, and again, if we just follow the text of the law, we think we're okay. Young man came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, Tell me what I need to do to make it into heaven. Eternal life. Jesus said, 
Because he knew what the young man was asking. For God knows what's in your heart better than you know what's in your heart. Amen. Amen. And he has a way of cutting to the chase. In this case, he took that young man's actual thoughts and turned it back against him. You want to hear what you want to hear? Obey all the commandments. You'll have eternal life. <gasps> oh, that's great, Lord. Because I have obeyed all these commandments since I was a youth. You said, see Jesus sitting there. You can talk, talk, talk. Wait for it. Wait for it. Because you see, that young man knew that even though he had obeyed all the commandments since his youth, he knew deep in his heart there was something more. There was something that was lacking. There was something that he had not accomplished for God. Jesus is waiting. Come on. I know what's in your heart. Come on, just spit it out. Yeah, come on. You know, sometimes we right. have a feeling like we have right now in the Holy Ghost, that, uh, that pausing in the Spirit, that waiting, that beautiful presence of God, because you see, God's just waiting for you to get it out of your heart and bring it to Him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And that's the feeling I have today. There's a drawing presence of God. Friend, I know that those who stood there and watched Jesus talking to that young man, uh, you could feel that drawing of the presence of God. Come on, young man. Come on, come on. Talk to me. Don't just stay there in your self-satisfied state. Come on. I'm calling you, young man. I, I, I gave you an answer because that's what you wanted to hear. But you know in your heart there's something else that is drawing you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Bring it out. Bring it out. Lord, I've done all these things since my youth. Young man, you still lack one thing. Don't you need to hear that? We want to hear your hair. The doctor puts them in a get healthy plan. Got to lose some weight. Got to cut out some fats or some sugars. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to get your blood pressure numbers down. You go to the doctor with anticipation. Don't you? Doctor, am I there? Doctor, I made it. Oh, we all want to hear. Yeah, you're looking good. Oh, we hate it. Yeah, you're making progress, but. Young man, you're making progress. But you're not quite what you need to be with God. What else could God require? I've done all that his commandments have asked me to do. You have in principle. You've obeyed the letter of the law. But what about the spirit of the law? What about the intent of the law, my friend? Let me ask you. Of all of the Famous Ten Commandments. You agree, Ten Commandments? Starting out. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Do you think that if we did exactly, precisely all ten of those commandments, obeyed them to the letter of the law, that we're ready for God? Because what the law is trying to teach us is far beyond don't do this or do that. What the law is trying to teach us 
is the principles of why you should not have any other gods before him. Why you should not make unto you any graven image. Why you should not kill. Why you should not steal. Why you should not this. Why you should not that. Why you should not do It's not just the whys and the why nots. It's the reason for it, my friend. It's not just the law. It's the spirit of the law that draws us. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? You're going to send me to hell because I, you said we saw you hungry and we didn't feed you and we saw you thirsty and we didn't offer you a drink and we saw you sick in prison and we ignored you. Lord, that's crazy. Not fair. We never saw you. That's right. That's the problem. We never saw Jesus. How many people will have served God for decades? Been in church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day of the week you come in for midweek service, a prayer meeting here, and all the things that you do. And how many will realize on the day of judgment, I never saw Jesus? Lord, we never saw you sick. We never saw you hungry. We never saw you naked or in prison. Or we never saw you in any of these circumstances. That's right. Because all you're doing is looking at the letter of the law. You're doing things precisely the way the law is written and you think that's all there is to know, my friend. The law is not about the law. The law is about you and your relationship with God. Amen. The law is there to teach you. It's a school teacher that leads you to Christ. It's trying to teach you principles of righteousness. It's trying to teach you how come on. One of the first two and greatest commandments of all. Let me help somebody. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. All of these other commandments that Jesus referenced in, one point he says all of these others are fulfilled in this perfect law of love. Two things that matter. Out of all the things that he has taught you, two things matter. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Because, friend, if you truly love, if I were to truly love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, we would have no problem with temptation whatsoever. Amen. 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 You know why we have temptation? Because we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. Come on, are you with me? I want you to be real today. I'm trying to be real with you. The reason we struggle with some things of the world is because we don't love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. There are areas that are untamed. There are areas of our hearts, minds, and souls that are untamed. There are areas that we refuse to submit to God. 
preaching to you. Amen. Amen. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm talking about all of us. Friend, I want to be like Jesus Christ someday. I intend to be like him. Amen. And I pray that when I get to that point, I look forward to that, my friend, because we will be changed. We will be transformed. Our mortal will be swallowed up in immortality. Our corruptible will be replaced with incorruptible. We will be changed. We had a little debate the other day Mom, Mom, Judy, and my wife and I were talking. There were people that asked, will it be possible to sin in heaven? I submit to you, it is possible to sin in heaven. Theoretically. But I don't think there will be any concern about that because our nature will have been so changed. Hallelujah. Temptation will hold no draw to ourselves. We will no longer be subject to the power of sin and of death. So while technically I think it's possible to sin, I mean the devil sinned in heaven. Amen. I don't think it's a concern for us because we will have been changed so dramatically and our old nature will be totally swallowed up in that new nature of Jesus Christ. Amen. But we're still in this flesh. And there are areas of our hearts and minds that I pray to God for his mercy. Yes. Yes. Because sometimes I wonder if we'll ever get off of that sin that we do or not. Before judgment. Come on. Man. If you're honest with me, if you're honest with God, you'll be honest with yourself and say, Yes, yes, yes. 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 Yes, all the commandments obeyed. But I can still tell you, you're not going to be in heaven. Because you're a man who's still working with black cars. Even though you kept all of these things, there's something holding you back. Your affection, your loyalty, your allegiance is tied to something other than God. Possessions mean too much to you. Some people may not care at all about possessions and feel good about yourself, but there are areas of your spirit that are rotten. Just as bad as that love of possessions. Don't try to point fingers at somebody else and say, Thank God I'm not like Max Publican. Because God said, I love that publican and I hate your pharisaical attitude. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty? When did we ever see you a stranger, naked, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? You never saw me. That's the problem. You never saw me. Because if you look closely at your brother and your sister who was sick or thirsty or hungry or in prison or naked or struggling and suffering, if you look closely at any one of them, you would have seen me. Uh -huh. 
50 de sombra. Eles são diante. Eles são tímidos. Eles são bem. Eles só estão no banco. Oh, just them. That was not just them. If I were closer, I said, Jesus. The closest thing you will get to seeing Jesus in this life, turn around and look at somebody. That's the closest you're going to get to seeing Jesus until we are with Him. Amen. 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 And if you can overlook the struggling of your brother, of your sister, you can shrug it off. Because frankly, who likes to hear about the one that always is a downer and always has a sob story and always has something going on in their life? It's oh, oh I just, I just, I just want to hear something good. Yeah. You simply ask the president, "What about that? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about happy things." You and I want to talk about happy things. But friend, there are things that aren't so happy in life. There are things that people struggle with every day of their lives. How many years did you work last night? 38 years. How many years now in healthcare? Uh, close to 10 years. Close to 10 years. Oh, seven. About seven years. 10 years as a caregiver. 10 years as a caregiver. Let me ask you, do people hurt? Yes. Do people hurt? Yes. Do people hurt? <laughs> there is a never-ending stream of hurting people. Hospitals rarely are empty. Well, they have a few open beds, but my friend, especially during this pandemic time, hospital beds have been at a premium. You know what I'm talking about. There's always a demand for health care. There's always a demand for caregivers. There's always a demand for somebody to help out because there's never a lack of supply of hurt. Jesus said, one of the key determining factors of you and I making it to heaven is whether or not we can discern in others the pain, sorrow, and hurting and treat them as if it were the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I think of Mary, the two Marys, as they stumbled their way towards the tomb early that morning on the third day. Little did they know that the joy that would swallow their grief. From that moment, as they made their way towards that tomb, you know it had to be with the most horrifying, horrifying, terrible, crushing grief. This was the law whom they loved, whom they respected. They'd seen him work miracles. They'd seen him heal the sick, raise the dead. They'd seen him cast out devils. They'd seen him and felt his love as he said, go and sin no more. They'd seen how he revolutionized their little world. Little did they know he was revolutionizing all of eternity. Hallelujah. This is a man who had spent time in their home. 
friends. And they knew that he wasn't guilty. But they watched as he was crucified. They watched as he suffered. They watched as he hung on a cross. They heard his words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They'd seen the darkness cover the earth. They felt the earth shake as he cried out, It is finished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And they watched him die. They made their way towards the tomb, not knowing that he was alive, not knowing that he had resurrected. Friend, I love the love of Mary as she made her way to the tomb. Not enough is said about that kind of love, my friend. The love that says, this is going to be gruesome. They didn't have it bombing. After three days' corruption, normally would have already set in. She knew it was going to be a horrifying experience physically, just from the the, 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 the trauma and the suffering and the, the brokenness of his body. She knew that it was probably going to be very difficult to even be there, much less to wash his body and anoint it with spices uh, for his burial. And yet she loved him enough. She's not going to put aside my human revulsion. I'm going to put aside my human thought that says I can't handle this. I will handle it. I'll go through it because I love him. I love the Lord. I love my master. And the least I can do is prepare his body for burial. And then thank God they didn't have to do that because he was resurrected. My friend, it was that love that drove her there in the darkened hours of the early morning to make her way to the tomb with a full intent of anointing his body and coming in to bury him. As much as I admire that love, I wonder if Mary would have done so. You know what they normally did with the thieves and the murderers and rapists and those who were convicted of these violent crimes? You know what they normally did? After they crucified them, no one came to claim their bodies. They would drag those bodies off of the tree straight to the garbage dump. It was known as the Gehenna, the place of burnings. The garbage dump that burned and burned and burned. Jesus used that as a, a symbol of hell, that place that burns and burns and never stops. For you don't want to be on the garbage pile of the devil forever, my friend. You want to be with Jesus in heaven. Amen. But normally they would drag those thieves, those criminals, and no one, if no one loved them and no one claimed them, they would just drag them to the garbage dump and burn their bodies. And as much as I admire, and I'm not beating on Mary, trust me, I'm not, because I admire her love for 
anymore. But as much as she loved Jesus to make her way to the tomb on that third day, I find no mention in Scripture of reclaiming the body of the thief on the left or the right and treating them to what you don't understand, Pastor. But we're talking about the Lord here. And come on, we're talking about Jesus. That's the whole point. If the only one we can love is Him who we have seen, blessed are they that love, that believe without ever having seen. Why do anything? To honor his death. I would do anything to take care of his broken body. I would do anything to make sure that he has a grave. Yes, I know you would. But what about the thief on the right or the thief on the left? Jesus said, You saw me. You saw me when you saw the thief. On the right. All you can see is the one in the I'm telling you, if you did it to the least of these, while the Lord took care of you, you know, you took care of me. That's the point. When you ask, who did he send you? You didn't open your eyes. All you could see was the one in the world. You forgot about the one you left. And Jesus said, if you ignore them, you To those of you who are on my right hand, you saw me, said, can you tell me to me? I was in prison, you visited me. I was hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Naked, you gave me clothes. Lord, we don't remember ever seeing you. Nothing. I know. But when you went and visited Sister Beverly in the hospital, You stop by and spend a little time with Elder Sullivan at home. You spend time with me. Amen. Amen. Come on, I'm talking to you today. Amen. Amen. I'm talking to you today. I feel a burden in my heart, my friend. We need to show the love of God as we've never shown the love of God before. Amen. And as much as I love seeing you, it doesn't look great to have a crowd full in the house of God today. Amen. I love seeing the house of God full. But my friend, as important as it is to be in the house of God, it's just as important to be in the hospital with the sick. Amen. I started studying. I said, show me verses of talking about helping people in the time of need. And predictably, 
some of the top verses that came up in every search that I did. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Who can tell me what Galatians 6 and 2 says? Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is what people default to. And I'm telling you, you default to things without understanding the word of God. And you miss out on the power of the word of God. Quickly, who has Ephesians 6 Read each other's burdens. Say it again. Share each other's, Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Oh, that's a powerful verse. And it makes us feel good. We're going to share each other's burdens. But you understand what I was talking about? Read verse 1. <clears throat> Your brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I'm not bashing that verse. That's a powerful set of verses. But when it talks about sharing each other's burdens, it's talking about somebody who's fallen into sin and you're helping restore them. You're helping lead them back to a relationship of good standing in Christ. And that's a wonderful and noble thing to do. But it has nothing to do with the sick and the hungry and the thirsty. And so we think about that, but we lose the power. Because we're not understanding what he says. Someone read to me Hebrews 1 12, please. Which is quoting Isaiah 35 and 3. Hebrews 1 12. Who's got a question? Hebrews 12 12. Somebody. Who has it? I got it. You got it. Read it. 12 12. Wherefore Philip lift up the hands which hang down and the pleading knees. <clears throat> twelve and twelve. He was twelve. He was twelve and twelve. And you're reading it, go ahead. <laughs> Wherefore Philip lift up the hands which hang down and the Feeling these. That's what it is. The hands that hang down and the weak knees. It says to help those who have hands that are hanging down and their weak knees are weakened. That's quoting Isaiah chapter 35 and 3, the prophecy that speaks of when the Lord will restore Israel, when the Lord will bring back His glory, when the Lord will make the desert green as a jungle lush fields of green and water. It's talking about the restoration of Israel, and it says, therefore, encourage those who are doubting that and tell them, God, strengthen your hands, strengthen your knees. Again, good things to do, awesome things. But it has nothing to do with the sick, and the hungry, and the thirsty, and the naked, and the prisoner. Until we need to dig into the word of God and understand how God expects us to treat others. Not just take these 
words that people hear and Bible verses that you quote out of context. I want you to understand what God wants you to do when you see somebody that's hurting, when you see somebody that's needy. Probably the best way to take to that God wants to love other scriptures. Jesus was standing there one day teaching. One of the Pharisees came and said, Look, tell me about these commandments. He told him about the commandments. Oh, I'm doing good. Jesus said, You also have to look at neighbors yourself. Amen, preacher, brother. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa. Talk to me about this neighbor concept. Because he felt the Lord's words. He knew that the Lord was judging him. He said, Whoa, he needed to justify himself. Well, wait a minute. You're implying that I don't love my neighbor and myself. Talk to me about this neighbor thing, Lord. I think that I take care of my neighbor pretty well. Yesterday I went over and cut, cut my neighbor's shop. The other day the, the, the rains came and my neighbor's trash can got flooding down the, the, the street down the neighbor. And I ran and I caught that trash can and I brought, I'm a good neighbor. You want to know what it means I shall love thy neighbor as thyself? Let's give a little story. Somebody was walking through the most dangerous part of San Antonio. Their car grew in there. They got stranded in one of the most dangerous neighborhoods of San Antonio. And before you knew it, the gangbangers, the drive-byers, the ones that cause so much heartache and pain in our society. They jumped this poor man and they beat him within an inch of his life. They pistol whipped him. They stole everything they had. They left him dying on the mean streets of San Antonio. And a pastor happened to be driving that or a Lexus or a Crescent Van or a Toyota Corolla or a Lionel Drive. And this is roughly what it's to me. Thank God, my car friend, I don't want to spend this neighborhood. Oh, look over there! There's somebody. Oh, boy, that was bad. I need to call 911. Oh, my phone's not working. That's weird. Oh, praise him. I'll pray for you, man. Because I don't want to stop. I'm going to eat myself. They're going to carjack me. They're going to steal whatever I have. I'll pray for you. I promise you, Sunday I'll pray for you. Pastor Right after that came one of the service leaders. Yeah, he's a priest and a Levite. Came one who helps in church, one of the leaders in church. They were laying on their way to church, apparently. Because they saw that man dying, beaten up, bruised. And there were more important things to do, like maybe getting to church on time. Praise the Lord. Pastor said, Well, I'll be at church on time. If I stop it, no, 
no, I'm sorry. I'm going to be late to church with Pastor Brown. I just can't. I'll pray for you. I promise you. And then comes the stranger. Then comes the one that everybody hates, the Samaritan, the mixed blood. The Jews hated them, the Gentiles hated them. They didn't fit with anyone. They were the outcasts. You know the interesting thing? Jesus mentioned the priest. Jesus mentioned the Levite. And then he mentioned the Samaritan. There's no indication that the Samaritan had any kind of religious influence about him. Samaritans weren't known for their piety. He had already talked about the priest, and he talked about the Levite. These were the religious ones. They didn't care enough to stop. Then comes the one who's not even a Christian, apparently. And yet, as the Samaritan makes his way through the rough, mean streets of San this is a man And with no regard for his own safety, he gets out and tends to the wounds of that man. But you know, have you ever dealt with somebody who's been beaten? Have you ever dealt with somebody who's bleeding and literally on the verge of dying? Is that a fun thing to do? Is that a fun thing to do? Is that a fun thing to do? No. These are the ones I have. Is that a fun thing? No. But they got out. They didn't have protective personal equipment. They didn't have gloves. They didn't have masks. They didn't have gowns. But they dove right in. It didn't matter how messy it was. It didn't matter how dangerous or how unpleasant it was. They gave of themselves. Yeah. When they staunched the worst of the bleeding, they didn't say, okay, now I'm ready for you also. No, they picked up that man and they carried him until they found some place where he could be cared for. No, he didn't walk away. He'd done his part for him. There's only so much that we can do. I understand that. But friend, you need to do what you can do. And then when you turn it over to somebody else, he still didn't just check out and say, well, now I'm done. Now I can go away. No, he told the innkeeper, take care of this man. And when I come back through here, whatever you have spent to take care of this man, I will personally pay you for that. I'm not just checking out. I've got to go on my way, but I will be back and I will take care of whatever else is going on. I will show you that I care. And Jesus said, okay, by the way, pop this, put your knees. Of course, this Pharisee had the same one. It's easy to quote, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Easy to quote. Oh. 
Share that same love 
Don't you care? You love me. That's your son. I'm not preaching socialism. Socialism is nonsense. I'm not preaching righteousness. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching loving people enough that when they're in need, you help them out. James said, if you see a brother or sister cold, or without their daily food, and you say, I love you, man, I'm going to pray for you. That God, keep you warm and fill your belly. And by the way, it's lunchtime, so I'll see you later. James said, your works or your actions without works. Just like food without works is also good. Where's the love? Where's the care? And I'm not being on this today. I just need to get across to you when I started out last week doing something I've never done, I don't think I've ever done before, which is to ask you very specifically to pray for me and for my family. And I thank you for those prayers. And I need your continued prayers. And extend those prayers, please, to my dad, who's in the hospital room today. We need the grace and the touch of God. But as I felt your prayers, and it was in the will of God for me to open my heart to you like I did last Sunday, I confess to you that I felt a little bit guilty all week long. Because I hope you understand that, yes, my love for you is reciprocal. My prayers for you are reciprocal. Not asking you to do anything for me that I'm not willing to do to you. But I felt like I didn't make it very clear last Sunday. It's not about me, it's about us. There's been a burden on my heart, and your names have come to my heart so often this past week. As I thought of the things you've gone through, that I've gone through. And that is a constant, constant weight. On my heart, my friend, I hope you understand that as a shepherd and under shepherd of Christ, that I always have your heart with my heart, your hurts with my hurts, your best interest. I, I seek and pray for that. I truly do. I want you to have the best that God possibly can give you. I want you to succeed in everything that you can. I'm not going to preach prosperity doctrine. That's a curse and a cancer. But I'm preaching the blessing of God to you. Uh, amen. I want God to bless you as he never has done before. But I want you to understand and I want us to expand that beautiful love you poured out on us last week. We need to pour it out on each other today. Amen. We need to treat our neighbor as ourselves. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Hallelujah. We need to take care of Jesus today. Because when I say Jesus in the house, he is. But it's closer to you than you think. One more time, look at somebody beside you. That's how close Jesus is. Because you literally are seeing Jesus. When I spend an hour praying for my brother, 
Pastor, I'm sorry that I can't be your way on the altar. My knees hurt too bad. I comfort her there saying a word. I was not worried about you leaving the altar. It's a very bunch of prayers. But in my mind at that point, I asked myself, how could your knees hurt so bad? But you can't be your way Until my knees hurt so much. I can't I've heard others say I can't sleep at night because the fear and the, the worries and my mind just won't turn off. I was reminded of that so that there were five, 35 this past week. Not too long ago, my wife and I were in the hotel room. I'd just been laid off the first time in my life. I didn't know what tomorrow I held. And I remember that night as we were preparing for seminar, looking for some opportunities, trying to figure out what to do. I felt that panic. I never felt panic before. Couldn't breathe. I'm reminded of that. When somebody tells me, Pastor, I can't breathe. 
I used to look at it with skepticism. I'm just telling you, friend, there are people, if we could take away pain, physical pain, for one day, it'd be worth a million. Amen. Amen. So one day without pain. Amen. Spent a day with my boss this past week. The man's a multi-million. Lives for himself. Pleasure and all the toys. But he shared to us that as he goes out on the court to play handball or squash whatever he plays. He said, choose my pet. I can't be. Because the pain. He said, the pain just doesn't outweigh. You can master it with activities. You can buy all of your toys, and everything looks good. But then pain is real. Did you hear me? Pain is real. And if you could take my pain would be beyond comprehension how amazing it would feel but one day if you didn't have to have an oxygen Take my pain from me. You can pray for me. You can pray for me. And in the Spirit of God, we can carry each other's burdens. And friend, I'll tell you why I felt your prayers this past week. And I thank God for that. Amen. You can hear me. I said I felt your prayers and I thank God for that. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you. It was a, it touched me. Elder Sullivan texted me yesterday. Said, Pastor, the symptoms are back. I need your prayers. I said, I'm praying for you right now. He texted the Lord and said, Thank God the symptoms reversed themselves. Great, we can carry each other's burdens. We can truly carry each other's burdens. We may not be able to physically relieve those symptoms or the things we go through. But we can pray for each other. We can love each other. We can accept each other. We can have a place in this house where it is safe to be you. It's safe to be who you are. You don't have to worry about the past. You don't have to worry about what's going on around you. I want you to know that I love each and every one of you with the love of God. And I hold nothing against any one of you. 
And I hope you feel the same way in the love of God. Amen. I hope you feel that love, that embrace of the Holy Ghost. When you walk in this house, I hope you never feel that you're at arm's length. But rather, I hope that you feel the embrace of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I want you to feel the love of God in this house today. And I want you to feel somebody else's. I'll take it out of context. I'll take it, okay? Galatians 6 says, carry each other's burdens. I know it's talking about restoring the backslider, but I'll also take it to say, I want to help carry your burden today. Amen. Jesus said, if the Roman soldier compels you to carry his burden for one mile, what are you supposed to do? Take two minutes. That's not fair. Wasn't fair. But little did you know how much that evil Roman soldier. Jesus said, hey, even though you're compelled, you're just looking at him as an oppressor. Look at him as a human being. Look at him as a human being. Look at him as a soul that needs God. And if you compel you to carry his burden for one mile, do so. And at the end of the mile, Lord Alfred, you don't say, here, give me put it back. No. You say, we'll keep that. He's going to think you're crazy. He's going to think you have absolutely lost it. But that's okay. Just tell him it's because Jesus carried his cross. And I thank God for Simon of Cyrene that carried his cross when he could no longer. And if Simon could do that for Jesus, the least I can do is carry your burden. I wish this be known as the Two Mile Church. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. I wish we were known as the Two Mile Church. Amen. We're not just doing what we have to do. We're going beyond what we have to do. Because we love each other. And we're carrying each other's burdens. Hallelujah. I know each and every one of you have something bothering you today. You have something hurting in your heart or in your body today. I know each of you have something. Maybe you're too proud or dying most of the time to admit it. But I'm telling you, I know that you have something. She would be so happy if someone could take that from you. Even five minutes. Amen. How about that? That's what the Father Christ is for. Yes. You're honest enough to say, I need 